0: From New York City, the world-famous comedy seller presents Live from America Podcast Live from America Podcast With Noam Dorman and Hattam Gabber Live from America Podcast Where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation Get together weekly to discuss today's issues As they cover news culture, politics, comedy, and more
1: with an equal part of knowledge and comedy.
0: And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Dorman.
2: Hello and welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem alongside me, the very busy Noam Dorman, the owner of the Comedy Cellar. How you do? I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> Great, and uh, our good friend and very and a regular in this show, uh, comedian and author, very funny Dan Natterman is here. Hello, Dan. Hey,
1: how, are you, Tim? how do you do?
2: And happy belated birthday! You just had your birthday a couple of days ago, right?
1: Uh, it was the twentieth. Yes, so yeah a yes. be, uh, week and change ago.
2: Yeah. How does it feel to be thirty?
1: Oh, if only, if only. But I tell you, what, it, it, when I turned thirty, I thought I was old. But boy, would I love to go back
2: there and our guest of honor is dave pill journalist and author he is the founder of the next draft daily newsletter and his book is coming out i think in a few days right uh yeah scream inside your heart breaking news uh, nervous breakdowns in
0: the year that wouldn't end it's coming out soon right yeah it's coming out on november 9th so uh, i'm in promo mode there you go unfortunately thanks a lot thanks for having me on
2: So your book, you revisit like stories from,
0: I guess, 2020. That's the year that we don't want to. Yeah, well, I uh, basically I write this newsletter every day called Next Draft, where I sort of it's like a modern day column where I summarize the day's most interesting news. um, And then I link off to the full stories. There's 10 stories every day. And then I link off to the full stories if people want to read those. And uh, sometime around March or April, when the Um, news was just starting to get crazy we thought it was as crazy as it could ever get but when it was just starting to get crazy compared to the rest of 2020 I was sort of up at three in, in the morning on my couch and I thought man I should really write a book about this year because I cover this news stuff craziness every day and it's even at this level of terribleness it's sort of my natural habitat because I've been a news junkie since I was a little kid and uh, so I woke my wife up and she said, yeah, that's a good idea. And let me go back to sleep. And the rest is history. So the, the bad part about it was that I was sort of ended up writing about April and May of 2020 while I was living through October and November of 2020. So I, I lived 2020 twice, which I don't recommend for uh, the average civilian. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. So how do you, how do you like sum up to just 10,
0: is that 10 news a day, right? Yeah about 10 news items. Sometimes there's one story in every item. Sometimes there might be two or three related items to sort of give you an overview.
2: Like you cover all categories like politics, sports, news, whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, uh, in the early days of the internet, I used to do this just for tech. And uh, then the first bust came and I was sort of writing a daily obituary column about all the companies that were failing. And I've always been more into news in general. So I switched and, uh, went to all news and that was, you know, maybe a couple decades ago. So I've been at this for a while, but yeah, it's, it's all different forms of news. It can be the world series. It can be the politics. It can be, I have a thing called the bottom of the news number 10, which is always sort of weird quirky stories of the day. And uh, of course, in 2020, it all narrowed down to uh, you know, the one story that everybody was obsessed with and was driving everybody up the wall and crazy, which was Trump. And then we added on the pandemic and Black Lives Matters to that. But even those stories were really all being funneled through the one horrible story, which was uh, Trump, which was both hilarious and lethal at the same time. So that's really why I wanted to write the book to combine those two things. The, I, I usually use a lot of humor in my newsletter. So during 2020, I noticed people would be like, man, it's nice to have this little break with every news story is bad. At least we can have a little laugh here and there uh, within all the hell. So I try to do that in the book as well. I'm
2: only into fake news. I don't like news.
0: Yeah, it's I, I have plenty of that also. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's true that fake news is a hell of a lot more entertaining. Um, one thing I think people don't understand about fake news, or a lot of people don't, is that it's so much more popular than real news, especially on social media. Uh, media, as we've seen, sort of Zuckerberg now is trying to change the name of his company um, to uh, Meta, you know, which actually in Hebrew means dead. So I don't know if he meant that or not, but uh, he's changing the name because of all the bad stuff that was swirling around and is still swirling around on Facebook. But the huge advantage that people who share fake news have over real news is that they can test their message over and over and over, and then they see what works and what people are receptive to because people love to hear news and opinions that they agree with. And they love to share those news and opinions. If they feel that sort of energized, like, yeah, man, this guy is seeing it like I do. So basically when you're doing fake news, you just test a million messages until you find one that's the hook. And then you just cater that message or hone it for that audience. And then it just gets shared like crazy. Whereas people who write real news are stuck with the facts, which is a huge disadvantage in today's information economy.
2: But isn't like one news for one man is other people's fake news and uh, vice versa?
0: Uh, I mean, if you want to have like a false equivalence between the two that's definitely true in terms of what we experienced in 2020 and what we're experiencing now it's more like there's one news camp that is creating stories in order to um, achieve a political goal and further divide people from one another and then there's another side the mainstream media which has plenty of flaws and uh, has plenty to do with The problems we have in America today, but they're actually trying to work with at least a relatively accepted uh, set of facts. So, yeah, the word the the word news is uh, has too broad of a definition these days. That's for sure. Uh, False equivalence
3: is hot time's middle name. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, I'm just saying, like some news. Like I remember when we like when we do because we do this podcast weekly, and and we could not when Trump was president, we could not you know prepare because. You could have a story, and then that day that we're taping, a completely different story will come up. But on the other hand, like I feel like, if some people, if Trump did something, you know, it's news. If somebody else did the exact same thing, it's not news. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. No. the The obsession with Trump as the story got totally out of hand, and both mainstream news and fake news were responsible for that rise. And it was, I mean, give the guy the credit. Like the information economy is the one economy that he couldn't bankrupt, right? He's basically bankrupted every business, but in the information economy, the guy is the richest guy in history, right? Nobody has ever dominated uh, the American news cycle like Trump, love him or hate him. We were talking about him 24 seven, before the pandemic, if you went to a dinner party or went out with your friends to a bar or whatever, you know, it took about 20 seconds before the topic shifted to, can you believe this fucking guy? And you knew every character, you know, Scaramucci was there for 11 days. He's like international recognized name, you know, (laughs) you know, he's like as famous as Beyonce and it only took him 11 days to get there. So yeah, it was everywhere. It was nonstop and the beast just kept getting fed. That's for sure. The problem you guys had, I mean, nightly news, people had it. I had it Uh, writing next draft, like right before I press send, I'd have to like, go check the top five or six sites real quick to make sure there wasn't some other unbelievable, ridiculous news. And the other thing that was amazing, you know, especially coming from the comedy side, like at least half of it was hilarious. Um, You know, it was terrible in the sense that it was costing lives and uh, humiliating America abroad. But there were so many parts of 2020 that were just relentlessly funny or people would create memes and turn it funny, you know. So you look at these moments like the uh, Four Seasons landscaping charade where they gave that press conference in front of a landscaping place it was like ridiculous they were literally trying to overthrow an American election and there still are but it was like parody worthy and it was so comical but the amazing part was that while we were laughing and we found that kind of stuff so just insanely funny that you couldn't even beat it at a comedy club uh another half of America was buying into it so much that they were willing to risk their lives and often die for it. You know, so that was the, that was the really weird part of uh, 2020 where it was funny and the humor helped us get through the year for sure. But um, what we found funny, they found the opposite of funny. You know, like I, I think of Sarah Cooper a lot as a great example of this, right? Like she sort of, you know, she's been an indie comic for years and a writer and you know, popular in her circles, but she exploded during 2020, doing one thing, basically just mouthing uh the exact words Trump said. And to that, the liberal America uh or pro-democracy America found that so funny that she became like a superstar based on that, you know, and had a Netflix show and is on tour. And you know, it's incredible. Rise based on one key thing, just using her mouth to mouth Trump's words, but those very same words were sending people to hospitals in Iowa denying that COVID existed uh, even as they were being intubated. So in a way, the humor was the area where we could really see the hugest divide in American culture. We were divided everywhere. But in that part, it was really incredible because we were cracking up, you know, when he said, hey, let's put some uh, Lysol in our veins and see if that works. Like we were all cracking up, but half of America was like, "Let's order some Lysol." And uh, the Dems are trying to kill us, you know.
3: Sure, I so, I gotta tell you something. I mean, I, I'm I'm too exhausted, but I, you know, God forbid, I don't want to say, but he never said inject Lysol yeah. in your veins, and half the country didn't think it was true. That's that's just not true. Should I should I pull up the actual quote? I mean, he said some dumb things, and he. He implied about light in your lungs and maybe he, he wondered whether there's a way to... Right, use- he, he, didn't,
0: he didn't say Lysol specifically. That's true, I'm in exaggerating. Your veins.
3: And he didn't say in your veins and he half of America didn't do it. And the, the stuff that turned out where people, the story that turned about people uh uh where somebody was in the hospital for doing something with, with disinfectant turned out to be false. And
0: I mean... Yeah, well, well, the parent company... It's just not true what you're saying. It's just not true. Well, you're, you're saying one example of the 30s Minutes I said so far, it's true, it wasn't Lysol specifically. He was talking about disinfectant, and he did say hint that it might be a good idea to use the disinfectant inside of you. He didn't say specifically inject. So that's still pretty goddamn hilarious and pretty fucking ridiculous for the president of the United States to get there. And you could see his own people were like shocked at that moment. And he did also say maybe UV light on the inside could work. And this is in the middle of the biggest crisis in a generation. So ha- my point still stands that half of America was laughing at that and half of America was taking that totally seriously. And it was taken seriously enough that the parent company of Lysol uh, felt it necessary. Wait a second. Felt it necessary to put out a comment saying, please never ingest our products.
3: Well, you know, so so, they've, so they've people, people put out all sorts of time So this, I looked it up. And by the way, I remember this at the time because there actually was a study that predates Trump where they were putting... Um, uh disinfectant into one of these uh aspirators you know that, that um to see if if um it would kill germs this is pre-covid so it's not what yeah, but,
0: but we're talking about look so let me just read the, let me just but, read the quote
3: are we Are we allergic to the to sure
0: the...
3: no yeah uh he, so he talked about the light um it's spo- we hit the body with tremendous whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light and we know that that there actually was a company that was developing a wand which could use ultraviolet light inside the body And then he added, this is from NBC News, then he added, I see the disinfectant that knocks it out in a minute, one minute. He turns to Burks, I guess. uh, And is there a way we could do something like that by injection inside almost a cleaning? As you see, it gets in the lungs. It does a tremendous number on the lungs. It would be interesting to check that out. That's okay. what he said. Okay,
0: great. He thought He you told, about, Wait a second. You're totally confirming exactly what I, You just said I was spreading misinformation. I just said that he said in fact, injecting Lysol. He suggested it the president of the United States during the biggest health crisis in a generation. It's insane. You're telling me that people didn't think that was funny and crazy, or if they did, they were wrong?
3: Well, no, I, I think that... I think the following. First of all, I think... I, I think not, you
0: came thinking, hey, let's get... Uh, this guy to uh, say that he's exaggerating, but the quote you just read is exactly what I said. Except I, didn't, I, I didn't said have, no, I, I named branded at Lysol. That's hold all.
3: On I didn't have any idea what you were going to say. I didn't. I didn't even really know about you or what, 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 which side or anything. I. That's not true. But I just know that if we're going to have a conversation about fake news, we should not be guilty of hyperbole ourselves. And so I, I know that he said something stupid. It was. I knew. I rolled my eyes when I heard him say it live, but. He asked out loud, is there a way to do this in the body, to use this directly in the body? He asked the doctor and the doctor, he says, you should check that out. Now this right. is, it's, I mean, and, and frankly, if, if I was sitting at a table with a bunch of people and I heard that this disinfectant, um, disinfectant work and I asked a friend of mine, hey, I wonder if there's a way, what would happen if they put that directly in the lungs? People, people would say, no, it's probably too dangerous like it wouldn't it wouldn't be like rejected on its face oh that's the dumbest thing i ever heard as a matter of fact people were putting um you know uh uh what do you call the uh disinfectant you use on your hands uh but he said it on live TV.
2: Right. It um, wasn't people like people were putting that in right. there. People listen, were putting listen, that. Listen, so It's very common that number people-
0: one, number one. If he had said that around a table in private, it wouldn't be a news story. Number two, he's the president of the United no, States. No, I know. But wait you, a second. But he's also. No, I don't this want, is is wait not, I don't no want to wait a second. It I don't want to wait a second. this. Thought. This didn't happen in, in a vacuum. This was part of uh, of thousands of lies saying COVID didn't exist, saying it would go away. All I of them. called it didn't exist. He said a million times it would go away. It was no worse than. Yeah, the but did he flu. say it didn't exist? He lied about it when he, he knew that it, it was killing exist? people. Did he say it didn't exist? He he denied almost everything about it. Did he so say it didn't, you he it didn't exist? Did he say right, it so didn't exist? He just said it wasn't harmful and we shouldn't wear masks, and that he, he it was, wasn't harmful. He refused to, well, and yeah, he the said beginning, it, in the beginning. He said it was no more harmful. Harmful. Oh no! But in the beginning, in the beginning, he said it was a no hawk. You that, know, remember yeah, he said it was a hoax for no, months. No, he didn't say it was
3: a he hoax, said yes, he said it was did. a
0: hoax for months. Come on, yes, uh, he okay, he, we'll get
3: that quote.
0: He, he he, said, did. This is just for argument's sake. This is yeah. a bore, this is a yeah. joke. He knows he did this, it was his political strategy to do it. Yeah, he th- still so th- did th- that, that. and
2: he said, he said the that the Democrats hoax, too. He that's what he called a million it a times,
0: and we had people go to their deathbeds in Iowa, literally telling ER nurses. Hey, I don't believe this is a democratic plot. I'm not, I don't really have COVID. Okay, so boom, this is the dead. last
3: thing I'm this is the last thing I'm gonna say about this because I think it's just, it's just so I'm leaving from the AP.com. It's not a, not a left-wing organization. A-P-Fact, APnews.com. APnews.com, AP fact check. Biden distorts Trump's words on virus hoax. Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden is presented. Presenting a distorted account of President Donald Trump's words on the coronavirus, wrongly suggested Trump branded the virus a hoax. In fact, Trump pronounced Democratic criticism of his pandemic response a hoax. So, you know, I mean, you can say what you want, but in in the context of complaining about fake news, I mean, you said he's. I think though. we all
0: were. Looking I, I- at- I- Besides the word Lysol, I haven't said one thing wrong today. No, no, I don't no, think. You that it. Trump said it, it didn't exist. You claim that you said the Trump okay. said it was a hoax. He said it was a hoax. That does imply said, it doesn't exist. Wait a second. Yeah. Hoax Trump... calling it a fucking hoax does imply it doesn't exist. No, he did I'm... a horrible fucking job. Hundreds of thousands of extra deaths were because of his shitty leadership. Well, now you're changing the subject. No, I'm not changing the subject. You're pretending that one fucking word, Lysol, is in a vacuum. It was a constant string of lies and ridiculous comments and horrible things both in terms of lying up for his political gain and trying to overthrow an election dude, if you dude, want to pretend that the other side is just as right and biden lies just as much that's a fucking joke and it dude, sure dude, the hell isn't funny dude, i'll tell you that much. Dude,
3: you can put all sorts of things in my mouth that i never even talked about let alone said but you just said
0: that- you just said he never said it didn't exist Calling it a on. fucking hoax is saying it doesn't exist. He did. I'll read it to you again. The AP. I said, don't. No. 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 The AP said, "Charles, what i in fact." Trump... He, Trump's listen, I I I have hundreds of tweets of his, literal word for word, in my book. He called it a hoax at least a hundred times.
2: I think I think I think the main he thing here is this is stupid. their new
3: hoax. And as far as the Lysol, you had said that he told people to in- I, I said inject like-
0: it. And I said right. Lysol instead of generic is, disinfectant. You just is, read
3: the quote. He said maybe inject it. The fact is, he stupidly asked the doctor, is there a way in to- public.
0: In public president, he's the president, dude. Listen, but he didn't tell. Yes. Come on, that's a joke. It's, he's a president. And besides, you're not listening to my main point was that half of America took it seriously enough to risk their lives. Half the other America, half thought it was a joke. Half of America didn't inject Lysol. No, they didn't. But they took his commentary about half, it being a hoax seriously enough that they refused to wear masks and they still refused to get vaccinated. You, you, know, and many, you know, it's.
2: What's, hold what's on, issue? hold on.
0: This is this is just not true. First of Wrong. all, at, at you're you're distorting what I'm saying. You're distorting really, what I'm saying to make a point. Yes. At really. the
3: beginning, Trump uh with Trump, Fauci, Trump, Cuomo, basically every per- official told us not to wear a mask. We found out later I was telling people to wear a mask. We found out later that Fauci admitted that he did it on purpose because they wanted to sell uh, to save uh, uh, protective equipment. Um then uh, uh, the the uh, was who was it? The Pelosi said, "Go out, don't stay home." Blah blah blah. So in this context, then you're—I mean, there's certain things you're saying are absolutely right. right. You're sure when, you're talking when, about
0: when February. Later, Thanks, later on, Dude, later I, on, I,
3: Trump was saying "Free Michigan," and he clearly was uh, anti-mask, but yes. he didn't. But that, um, but you can describe what he did
0: without exaggerating what I didn't the only thing i the only thing I've even had a hint of exaggeration is giving a name brand to the disinfectant. yeah I, th- That's I it. think, I think just to clear things
3: said, up he never said you just
0: yourself. read it dude he said yeah, maybe yeah so let's let's it. let's move on and the no, one I thing to,
3: so, if, so if I ask Hatem
0: you are not the president you're just a guy on a podcast dude there's a difference you really don't understand that is this a joke he is the president of the United States having you are uh, jumping around
3: from one thing to another
0: okay. Yeah right
3: we can, we can agree on what he said and then we can say that it's more it is less responsible for the president to say it than someone else and I agree with you but the fact is he didn't tell people to inject disinfectant he asked the doctor is there a way to do that mm-hmm. Number one number two has a and, and he didn't say COVID was a hoax. He said it a million yeah,
2: times. Yeah, he, he, he did well, say. Find
0: that. me one time he said it because I looked up the fact. I think we
2: all were alive at AP, that time.
0: And the AP listen, fact. I, I, I'll do better than I'll send you a copy of my book where I have it quoted about fifty two oh, times. Listen, are you gonna? I
3: mean, the AP fact checked this and said it was distorted. So what?
0: What do you want from me? He said you're talking about one Biden quote. He said it a million times. No, gonna a break. Anybody listening 12- right now heard him say it was a hoax a million times. Come on. It's a silly. Million, to even a million times.
3: Everything you said. Say oh, is like I'm hard. sorry.
0: I'm sorry. It was more like 72 times. You're right. I, 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 I was exaggerating for comedic purposes. It's 72 uh, times or something. Like
2: that. Dan, what do you? What's what's your take on that? Hulks or not hulks? Did he say it or not?
1: Um, you know,
3: find uh, anything uh, 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 about about Trump saying it's a Hulk?
1: I mean, well, I don't. Well, I that, that, let, let Dan let Dan say. it. say. Let Dan say his opinion. My impression as a regular non-news junkie member of uh society i don't know i don't recall him saying that covid itself was a hoax i recall him minimizing it saying it'll go away um you know uh, he didn't not, say it's a democrat not, not hoax. presenting it as urgent as as he should have and perhaps encouraging certain people to not take it seriously but he he did always say it was an invisible enemy we're going to defeat it in other words he didn't say that there was no such thing as covid or that it was didn't exist, is it, it, in my memory anyway, He did, but he minimized it in a way that was, I'm sure, no doubt created excess loss of life. That's uh, as best as I can recall.
3: Snopes.com says, despite creating some confusion with remarks, Trump did not call the coronavirus itself a hoax. That's Snopes.com. So I don't know what else to say. All right, let's move on.
2: All right, so let's move on. <laughs> I, like a, I, I like a little- I'm in, uh, trouble.
3: Uh, I'm in trouble for- uh, for, for trying to keep the record straight and for in, in public, I'm doing the research. I'm not trying to hide anything, but I'm not going to sign on to something that is not true or that nobody can show me is true. I just can't. Do why
2: you, why in trouble? Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Well, because you
3: know? we, have a, I, we have an obligation on this podcast to, 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 to not spread things that aren't true.
2: So you, you, you said your point of view and
1: you supported your not document. Point of view.
3: You're not entitled to your own facts. You're entitled to your own opinions, not your own
1: facts. OK, no, so but that's would what... you agree that he minimized the urgency of COVID.
2: Well, I mean, we all agree that he did a horrible joke. Uh, I mean, it was like like, uh, Dave, the whole thing was a joke. I mean, he did a horrible job with,
0: with this. We all agree on that, at least I think, you know. Anyway, like, I'd like to I'd like to just we'll make agree sure on that. Yes. I'd like to just make sure that my more important point that I was focusing on there was that, while a lot of us felt. His commentary was funny. Other people were willing to risk their life on that commentary, so that's that's shows the American divide. As does our conversation so far well, here today. Well,
3: I would even you know what what's interesting about that, and I and I did I do think there's something to what you're saying. But very interestingly, despite the fact that President Trump took such credit for the vaccines, um, his followers don't trust them and won't take them and you can't pin that on him. So what, what I'm saying is that there seems to be some correlation here, which is not causation because, for, put it this way, if Trump had been anti-vax, given what we're seeing now from his followers not taking the vaccine, I tried to say, listen, if I tried to say to you, listen, I know Trump's anti-vax, but that's not the reason his followers are anti-vaccine. They would be that way anyway. You would scream and yell at me, tell me I was a crazy person. No, but the fact no. is here that his followers no, I'm happy to talk about that. They will not. They, they, they will. They just they're ornery and they risk their lives and they won't take the vaccine, despite the fact that he loved the vaccine. Now he's kind of backed off because he doesn't want to get too far in front of his followers. But at the time, that's all he could talk about was the vaccine. He, he got sure booed
2: one. in a rally and backed up his words right then and there. Right, but, but I'm anyways, saying, right, yeah, yeah, that's
3: bec- But th- but right. But that was the first time. Up until then, he had been heralding the vaccine, and yet his followers. We're killing themselves refusing to take the vaccine, all which all of which is to say it's not always clear to me no, no, no. how much of what they're
0: doing is, re- is simply following him. Well, no, I th- I, th- no, I think that's actually a good point. And one of the one of the things that the Republican Party in general has found out that rabble, rousing, and riling up uh people is a lot easier than it is to reel them back in. So I, I used to teach high school in my first semester, I sort of went crazy the first day trying to be. The most liked, funny teacher or whatever, and the whole semester was almost impossible to get the class to calm down and uh, behave. Um, so the next one, teacher told me, "No, it's a lot easier to start strict and then uh, let him out than it is to start sort of fun and be the fun guy and reel him back in." So I think you're seeing that a lot. With Lindsey Graham, also was at a uh, at a, a fundraiser event where he said, "Of course, you guys should take the vaccine and even high high donor." High value donors uh, started booing him, and he sort of changed the subject. Um, I think the general move away from towards don't listen to the experts, um, don't uh, you know? Go ahead and protest your governor uh, for trying to keep you safe. That kind of stuff uh, lent itself to people being more likely to also be anti-vax because it's hard to say don't trust the government on masks. Don't listen to people who are trying to keep your kids home from school, even though they're doing it for their safety. And let's divide on every area that we can. And then, OK, let's all come together on vaccines. It's very difficult. I, and will I think also, also say- with the vac- with the vaccine Sorry. thing, he never really... Just have like one speech
2: just about the vaccine. It's like, listen, people, I took the vaccine. I think it's good. It's always a little
3: thing, a little bit
2: here and there. In the
3: debate, in the debate, he bragged that they might have a vaccine before the election or before the first of the year. And they fact checked him as a liar. True. They fact checked him as a liar, even though they never asked the drug companies whether or not the vaccines were would by would, and they were available just when he said they'd be. And they fact checked him as a liar. And listen, I don't know what the answer here is because, um, I I don't I don't really understand this anti-vax thing. I think the government has a lot, and the media do have a hand to play in the fact that they're not yeah, trusted. I, th- I I agree. So they too. have been revising so and giving yeah.
0: false information. will th- another Fauci thing. Another that thing, means, no, in, in terms of what you're saying um, about um, the news and uh, the way people's uh, feelings get exaggerated, you know, the news is much more likely to print a story about people taking ivermectin, right? And there's enough took it that there was a shortage for horses, apparently, uh, horse dewormer. Uh, you know, they're much more likely to cover that story because it's crazy, right? And we're all going to share it on Twitter and Facebook and talk about it at comedy clubs or whatever. But the truth is, is that the people who were, those people are not reachable in terms of pro-vaccine people, you know? But the truth is that there was a huge chunk of Americans and there still are some of them left that didn't take the vaccine because they were legitimately afraid of it. Uh, Some of them didn't take the vaccine because they were concerned about Uh, peer pressure in their communities from people who thought that you know if you're a good uh conservative you shouldn't take the vaccine and buy this nonsense uh some of them didn't take the vaccine because they were worried that um that uh they would get fired from work for taking the day off from work and And one thing that never got reported in the news or almost never was there's a huge swath of americans who for some reason believe that taking the vaccine means that you can no longer uh, Sire, a child, so, um, or have a child if you're a woman, so these types of misinformation that are out there, and w- it would have been so much better if the media had focused it and I think, I think a lot, on, on targeting those people instead of these extreme I, things. I think that make a uh, good story, I think, like also
2: a lot, a lot to do with the period when Trump was saying the vaccine is going to happen, and everybody was just doing all these studies that you can never have a vaccine in that little amount of time, so. Because they're afraid that Trump is going to win, and it's going to be, it's going to take crisis. It's like, oh, it's impossible. There's a study after study.
3: Twelve years. The New York Times said it might take 12 years, 9 yeah. years, 8 years. It was all kind well, of, well, the record tra- at
0: the, the record at the time was 4 years, so it was just a it was a, a, you know, you don't want to mix miracles with medicine, but it really was a medical miracle that we had it that yeah, fast.
3: No, well, it was a medical miracle, but Trump knew information on the inside. They they had the vaccine on the drawing board as it were the the following weekend from the time this virus was mapped and Yes, and- yeah, it's true. 72
0: hours after Moderna got oh, a sample of the
3: that 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 was unprecedented and they i mean the
0: media is is really uh well it doesn't help when you lie a ton and then all of a sudden you try to say one true thing exactly so So i I I think a lot of people were like you know
2: you just said the vaccine is impossible dan what what's your thoughts on that because
1: i wonder whether he knew anything in terms of the vaccine or whether he just happened to guess right Of course, he knew. No, he
2: knew. knew. He knew. knew. Because if you knew knew any doctors, like I spoke to a lot of doctors that I know, and they like the technology that was used in the vaccine, it's just going to be revolutionary in a lot of other things. You know, not only. By the way,
3: listen, the media is up and down, and and, you know, it's all related to the stuff that turned out not to be true about Russia and this and that. But even ivermectin, you know, you said it's crazy. Believe me, I'm not taking ivermectin. But it's not crazy. There were many, many studies that were being done on it. They were using it in other parts of the world. Uh, when they call it horse dewormer, I mean this is a pejorative way. It's it's conclusory. I mean, there's plenty of drugs which given which are given to um, animals which are also taken by humans. But serious scientists were studying this drug, um, and they don't do that unless there's some sort of indication that. There's a reason that it's not absurd. Right, but
0: I just I just want to make sure that a lot of times I feel um, like I'm t- trying to make a point about something and you're trying to catch me in something. I, I am saying that the story about ivermectin was overblown by the media because it had a funny angle and it was the type of thing that would be shared. Instead, the media should have been focused on the people, majority of people who were afraid of the vaccine for one reason or another or were misinformed and for one reason or another and therefore weren't taking it. A lot of the reason right. that people didn't take the vaccines were because of the decimation of local news over the last 20 years. Because most of the time the people you trust historically in America on something like this is the columnist who writes your local column and covers your kids' football games and covers the local uh stuff going on in government. And then he says, hey, this is really important. Let's all get together and do it. But those that angles, those angles weren't being covered as much because they don't make as fun headlines and as well, viral headlines.
3: Well, also because the media, the media is just as ignorant as anybody else. So they, what the media didn't do is do any serious, uh, you know, arms length stories about ivermectin why people think it works which scientists think which they did actually
0: actually there were stories in the media instance, because I, I go out there every day there were stories saying about where the where the information came from and why people may have
1: um, been likely ones. to do it no no, no no
0: no 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 no, no, no. So, you're, you're, so listen, you're so talking about, you're about exam- the ones that were shared the most the, no. there were plenty of stories about uh ivermectin um where it came from, which doctors first suggested it, why it was being studied. Um, and again, my point is not whether or not the media did a good job covering ivermectin. And I don't think we should also talk about it like the whole media as one person. There's well, some, I, There me, were some- Let me,
3: just get, let me just, just get to the point I was trying to get. So, what, what, But what, he's, tra- what, he's
2: trying to make a point as well that he was not talking about that. He, was, this, he was talking about that news story.
3: What this culminates in is this recent thing where Sanjay Gupta- went on Joe Rogan and just got buried, you know, just just looked ridiculous. I don't know if you heard it because he had never been challenged before. There is such a bubble where they view everybody who doesn't agree with them as a bunch of crazy people that when Joe Rogan uh, um, came to um, Sanjay Gupta with, serious arguments and serious questions uh, that would you know, suggest that, for, for instance, the vaccine maybe shouldn't be given to kids, Sanjay Gupta was just flailing. And this was really stunning that this, and this is, this is in my opinion, a, a perfect example or, or evidence that these people on the left or center left, they, they're in the bubble too. And then he, Gupta had never been challenged. And all of a sudden, it's also it's, just, it's
2: pretty hard because that, Joe Rogan is a professional podcast and a comedian. So having no, haven't been no, challenged by somebody no, like no, that. Don't, that is don't different do
3: that I listen to it. If You didn't listen to it. I listened listen to it, it, actually. Yeah. Rogan gave him very clear arguments with with odds. And why would you and, and Gupta had no answers. Listen, nobody's more pro-vax, pro-mask. You know how I am about this stuff. I am not some I am not on the right. When it comes to this stuff, not even a little bit. I'm, 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 I'm as, I'm crazy about this stuff, but, but I can't deny what I, what I heard. And the fact is that that Gupta, I could have answered Gupta's question. I mean, I could have answered Rogan's questions. I would have had, I would have had answers because I'm engaged in debates on this stuff. I'm not surrounded by
0: people who all agree with me. But so, if people have a health question. That you say go Dwarven instead of Gupta? Is that the basic argument you're making here?
3: The basic argument I'm making is that politics has so infected things that even doctors like Gupta are not taking the time mm. to to really inform themselves of what arguments on the other side might hold some water. But I, I, think,
2: I think in that interview, you know, he was not saying, uh, not giving, as he was saying, I don't know. And when you, when you medically say, I don't know, that means there is not enough study to that. He say, I know the study. This is things that were studied and this is the numbers that we have, but some questions that you're asking, yeah, it's legit question. And that's what he told him. It's legit questions, but there's no study to support it. So we don't have answer to it. Oh, so he's Rogan, very careful he, about his answer. Rogan
3: answers. gave him the studies. Rogan gave him the study. And you, I think don't know Rogan, I... you think Rogan
0: has better access to studies than Gupta? Come on.
3: No, I didn't. I don't think that. I think that's my point. Rog- Rogan actually did some research and Gupta had, was unaware of, of data that contradicted his, his prior some data that was out there. That's what it seemed to me. Listen, I, I was hoping that Gupta would. would listen, I don't I don't like the way Rogan has been um, pulling the vaccine. I don't I don't have any sympathy for that point of view. But I'm still fair minded. I can still see when somebody who I'm inclined to agree with gets trounced in a debate. I'm not going to say he he didn't get trounced just because I happen to agree with his point of view.
0: He got well, creamed. Well, well, I didn't hear the debate, so I'm the wrong guest for this conversation. He got creamed. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, um, I don't know. We can we can argue about this, but uh, let's move on because I want to you know talk more about you know um, stuff that we also. Uh, so, Dave, tell us about when did you exactly decide that you're going to make a book? You said in March, was it or in November? When you start you start writing in November.
0: No, no, I I probably started right when the pandemic started hitting and our news cycle just got out of control. And I've always been a news junkie, so I feel pretty comfortable out in that sort of deluge of news. And then I, you know, try to organize it for my readers um, into something a little bit more, uh, adding a little context to the chaos. So you personally, did you think it was really big back then? No, like no. And so I'm saying so about March when it really got bad, and I think it was March 11th when everything started to shut down and the NBA, there was one day in about six hours where this went from, wow, this could be something pretty bad. And I was definitely covering it uh, and finding articles in the news from about, about January was the first time people started reporting something's up in China and we don't know exactly what it is, um, but it didn't seem that scary Uh, in terms of somebody living in New York or California at that point, right? We didn't have the case in Seattle yet. Uh, But it was really about March 11th when people who had pretty good data and people who had a hell of a lot of money to lose also um, sort of got scared enough to make it real. So the NBA went from canceling one game because one player had tested positive and there were actually fans in the, in the arena at the time. And the game just didn't start at, at seven o'clock. And at seven 15, the PA announcer basically said, tonight's game is canceled. We're sorry. We'll explain later. And everybody left. And uh, later that day um, Adam Silver came out and said, we're canceling we're, we're suspending the season. And then many other sports leagues of course followed in the same. Um, that was the night Trump gave a speech. Uh, about how bad it could potentially be and saying we're gonna close off air travel uh, from certain countries. Um, Tom Hanks and his wife both got it and were in quarantine in Australia. And even up to that point, it's pretty interesting because I have a few doctor friends out here and a couple of friends who work at the Pentagon and we had a call and they were saying, hey, this is pretty real and we're about to shut down non-essential travel for the military. So I was really pretty concerned about it by then. But this is like March 11th or so. You're late. And uh, thanks. <laughs> and then uh, I'm I talking did... about I'm talking about for my personal safety, not as an international story. Yeah. And so even at that point, though, I was like emailing my school uh, saying, hey, I think we should really consider uh, not having school for a few days until we get more information about this. And even then, that Thursday, the next day, that was a Wednesday, the Thursday we had school. And by the Friday, it was almost absurd that I would have written that email because everything shut down. And there was actually a great article in The Atlantic that had come out weeks before that said by a guy named Yaosha Monk, who said, cancel everything. And he sort of predicted this was coming. Uh, this is how pandemics work. So, you know, we, we talked about the media earlier. I think it's real. I have plenty of criticisms of the media um, and there's a ton of criticisms of the media in my book. Uh, especially 24-hour news. But I will say that certain people in the media, we can't look at it as like this one monolith, certain people in the media absolutely nailed this story and were giving us incredible information. Don McNeil Jr. from The Times, uh, about three or four people from The Atlantic were predicting what was going to happen and they really did a good job. A lot of those same sources did a good job when it came to the election election. Uh, lies and the lead up to january 6 predicting that would happen so um but yeah so about March is when i got really worried about april may when we were all home in quarantine and even my friends who aren't into the news at all like did what is home again uh sausalito so so
3: let me tell you let me tell you my right, story you because, take over because because um you uh, I, I
0: i so upset you you might you might see me in a different context no no I, you're, you're not upsetting me it's just if i could just uh, uh, your partner asked me when I decided to write the book, so I was just going to say it. You're not upsetting me. Uh, no, I'm I happy think, to have I didn't this mean conversation. To cut
3: you off. I didn't mean. I, I thought you.
0: I thought no, no. You go said. ahead. Go ahead.
3: So, um, I really didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, so, I, I, in February, in the middle of February, I bought an extra refrigerator, and I um, ordered masks, and I, uh, I, I told nobody. I went. We have an old lives with us. I told the old pair she couldn't leave. And I and I pulled my kids out of school about two weeks early. And I wrote a I wrote on the local Facebook, um, uh, Ardsley Facebook group, pretty well reasoned thing about like we shouldn't let our kids be the canaries in the coal mine here. Um, uh, you know, we closed for school. Why don't we why don't they close the schools down now and just see what's going on now? Because uh, it. it if, if one of the kids gets it, by the time we know about it, it'll mean many kids have it and then it's going to take it home and, and it's, uh, transmission at home will be 100% better to close the schools now when we really think there's nobody has it and just wait a little bit. So do you know that the, the, um, I was chased off the local Facebook group in Ardsley. I was called a fear monger. I mean, the, the, you, you, you would not believe how people came at me with the vile uh, anger, because I suggested that we ought to get in front of this thing. And then I started to criticize Cuomo because Cuomo was keeping businesses open inexplicably, even after Ohio had closed and Ohio had virtually no cases compared to New York. And uh, London Breed, who's a far left wing, had closed uh, things in San Francisco. And uh, and then I got in a lot of trouble with friends. I had one friend screaming at me because I was criticizing Cuomo. And I'm like, I'm not I don't have any feeling about Cuomo, Democrats, Republican. He's wrong here. He needs to take action. And sure enough, later on, the Times reported that if Cuomo had acted earlier, maybe I think 40 percent of the people in New York might not have died. And by the way, just one last thing and McNeil, who you're right, did very well. He got fired by the Times. Yeah, he did. For something yeah, did. stupid, you know, Agreed. so. Uh, you know, th- there's there's a lot there's a lot to go around here besides Trump's dopey statements. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it must have
0: pissed you off, though, as a person who was so out front on this up far front. You know, and I think it's great you were that the administration kept saying, keep the schools open and criticize Democratic governments to try to keep the kids safe. You know,
3: I was most I was most angry at him when he started tweeting things like Free Michigan, where he was, where he yeah. was, when That's he was dangerous. Yeah, that, that's where he was really undermining and sowing discord. I, I, I wasn't, there were was certain things, criticism of him, I just didn't buy, for instance, and I, and I think I was vindicated. I, I didn't blame him for the fact that we didn't have testing. That was not his fault. That was the CDC, and the story's been, the details have been out now. At the time, I said, I felt it was kind of like bl- blaming Reagan for the Challenger disaster. I mean, what does a president know about, you know, what could go wrong with a, the a test?
0: Yeah. Well, one of the big problems in American media today, for sure, is that we presidentialize every single issue. You know, it's totally crazy. We're seeing that with the supply chain right now. You got a bunch of ships outside of uh, L.A. that are going to make your Christmas presents late or Hanukkah presents or whatever. And uh, suddenly we need like an executive order and we have the president visiting there like it's a presidential story. It's like a global COVID manufacturing chip shortage story. There's no way that it's going to be solved by one guy in the White House. But every story, unfortunately, is uh, politicized in that way. And in terms of if you think you took hit, hit heat for being out front on this issue, think about Gavin Newsom, who obviously did the stupid thing with the French laundry restaurant nonsense, you know, and even that's miscovered, right? It's not like he was in any danger. All the people that were there were tested and. Uh, we're safe, but they can't come out and say that, hey, if you're wealthy and white, you're probably safe uh, compared to the rest of America. But, you know, I mean, he had a recall election because he was being cautious about COVID. And now California has the best numbers in the country. And where I'm sitting right now, we're, we're actually ending the mask mandate tomorrow in my county. And that's because of the leadership out here. So yeah, everybody who was out front and said things took a ton of heat. And uh, I couldn't agree more with the, I think the Times made a horrible decision with Don McNeil Jr. If he had fucking murdered somebody, I'd say, keep this guy on staff because he's the guy with the best contacts to get us the real story on this and what we should be thinking and what we should be worried about. Like, let's try him in the court of public opinion some other time. Not now, it's too important. COVID is a hell of a lot more important than anything that happened on uh, a camp out or whatever it was, you know, a a student trip um, years before. I, I understand why people might be upset about the comments he made, but the COVID case was too, the COVID situation was way too, way too serious at that point.
3: Right. And and the irony with this McNeil thing, and this is why I, I just think it's such a big picture. So McNeil got fired because he repeated back a racial slur in the context of a question where somebody had said the racial slur to him. He didn't use it or call somebody. He just repeated the words. So he, so he has been um, kind of a, replaced uh, uh, on The Times by this woman who writes about COVID now. And she famously uh, tweeted that she, someday we're going to see that the lab leak theory is racist. You know, so it went so that you had a guy like McNeil who was who was playing it very straight. And now they've just they've just injected, as it were their COVID coverage with this, you know-
0: Now, no, they never exactly injected, come on. Yeah, I was. that's why- I, that's <laughs> why, I know, I why, understand. Dave, um, I have a question. This, I want I to go back this, to this. Oh, this woman, this woman,
3: you know, because the lab leak theory, I, obviously nobody knows if it's true or not, but it's certainly quite possible and reasonable. And it's certainly not racist, but this is where the times is at now. So, and then, and I say this only to say that this fuels- the right wing craziness and you can't view it. You have to view it the whole thing in context, you know, that they are, the, the the far right is so skeptical and they can list 50 things that they were skeptical correctly about that. They are, um, but they are crazy. I, I, won't, well, I won't say they're
0: not. Well, no, no. I think it's, I think it's important. Just from a strategic point of view, I often say like there's, You know, Freud once had a quote about people having a much easier time criticizing those with very narrow differences from theirs. And, um, you know, we're seeing that, and I think we do that way too much on the left, you know, that we're criticizing each other for these minor cultural infractions, when right now uh, our democracy itself is under a certain amount of threat, and we're still under the auspices of the big lie about the election and we should be all unifying around this huge issue because those issues are gonna de- de- result in actual law changes and uh, power changes in Congress, as opposed to these little inter-party, or intra- yeah, inter-party squabbles. And I think you know, one example where we're seeing that right now is in the Facebook story. It turns out it's just much easier for people who are pissed to get mad at Facebook than it is to get mad at the bad actors who are actually creating the lies and spreading them on Facebook. Of course, Facebook, the platform, should do a much better job. And they put engagement over democracy and money over democracy. Yeah, of course they did. So does every other fucking internet company on the planet. It's just Facebook is the biggest and best at it. But you know who broke the original Facebook paper stories? Wall Street Journal. So who's done more to uh, spread misinformation? Uh, Rupert Murdoch or Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg, right? but people don't, you're right, they don't get down one level beneath, right? And don't doesn't every media site, major media site, try to keep you engaged, even if it's not necessarily the healthiest thing for you or democracy? Don't you get news alerts on your phone all day long, even though that has nothing to do with you? Why would I ever need a news alert about something that was happening more than 18 feet from me? Right. There's no reason. I'm not fucking Batman. What am I going to do? Go fly to the side of the uh, mudslide and save people's lives or go fly to the side of the speech and argue with the president? No, I can find out about it the next morning in the news. I don't need to know about it right then. But news sites send out the notifications 24 seven. Why? Because they want to keep you engaged exactly the same way that Facebook does. Even on the day that the Facebook papers came out, I got an email from Netflix saying, Hey, you haven't finished this show yet. Get back in here and finish and check it out and let us know what you think. It's like, I'm even being told by Facebook. I mean, by Netflix, it's important for me to get back and Well, try It on depends the on the show.
2: What show was it?
0: Yeah, it wasn't a good show.
2: <laughs> well, that's why. I mean, right. Okay, if it was like
0: Succession on HBO, I'd be like, Jesus, what the hell have I been doing? I got to get back there, you know? Yeah. But it's just everybody wants you to do that. And the media has a, has a role in this. The media wants you back on their site just as badly as Facebook wants you back on theirs. I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing that Facebook made the right decisions or that Zuckerberg's off the hook at all. But I will say there's a certain irony in the fact that the people who are calling him out on it publicly are either a little bit better, the same, or even worse in the case of Murdoch.
2: Yeah. So I, I wanted to um, back to the question I asked before. I really wanted to know where when did you start writing, actually start yeah, writing? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So so March was the point where I thought I sort of woke up at three in the morning and I said, Oh shit, this is a this is a book I should write. And I didn't want to just lay out the year, I also wanted to try to explain. How we all became so addicted to media because I found that even my friends, like Dan, you said you're not in that new, the news that much. I have a bunch of friends who are like that, and they uh, they don't even read my newsletter, you know. But by the time we got to about April May, they were totally locked into the news, watching the news on 24 uh, hour cable, uh, checking Twitter. I had people who'd never used Twitter before, now they're on there, checking all the latest news, and I realized this is. A two pronged story. It's one story about the pandemic in this crazy news year, and the other one about our personal relationship with media and how we all get swept up into it. And when I realized that, I said, I'm probably in a good position to tell that story and hopefully add some levity in there so it's not all glum. Um, So I decided to do that. So I probably started pitching it around to publishers, and I'd say I got a deal around August. So I started writing. So during the last four or five months of the year, it was like, Writing today's news in the morning and writing last month's news in the afternoon. So, when, you know, why did you decide?
2: You know, I think Denzel Washington said it best when he's like, the news is like, it's not about being right, it's about being first now, you know? Uh, but that's for the last topic that we're talking about. But I want to ask you, why did you decide to release it on November of um, 2021? And not like right away, not like... Uh, oh, sure, sure.
0: Well, it just turns out in the publishing industry, if it wasn't a digital product, I would have done ah, it sooner. It's okay. just, this is about the fastest turnaround, actually, oh, that, oh, gotcha. that they ever do.
2: But they didn't do it um, in purpose or anything. I was thinking, no, you know, no, they waiting for the winter, something like that? No?
0: No, no, no. Just, uh, that was about as fast as they could turn it around. Um, okay. And... Um, but you did mention that thing about news trying to be first. That's actually been going on way before, you know, to um, Noam's point about Trump being the focus of all of this. I mean, the the idea about news journalists trying to be first has actually been going on since the early days of the Internet. Yeah. And about 12 years ago, when Gabby Giffords, you guys probably remember when the Congresswoman Gabby Giffords was shot um, outside of uh, when she was giving a speech in Arizona, and suddenly the tweets and the news started publicizing this really quickly. And, you know, I admit at the time I didn't even know who Gabby Giffords was, but it was all over my Twitter universe. Other people also who didn't know she was. And of course, immediately the gun pro and anti-gun people started attacking each other and right about an hour into the story, NPR actually uh, posted a story saying that she was dead. Uh, It turned out to be a false story but it made it all the way to the hospital waiting room. So Gabby Gifford's family actually read on Twitter that she was dead before the doctor came out and told them that she was alive. Um, So an NPR is the last brand that you associate with fast news, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. a a suitcase bomb could be uh, set up in the village right now. And, you know, they'd be like, "Uh, you know, there's a million people dead and, down by Washington square park right now, but we'll be back with more after this, you know, but suddenly even there, the social media pressures even made them breathless enough to falsely report. And what's the point, right? You have to think, it's not like there's some big financial gain by getting the story wrong or even being a minute ahead, right? And, you know, there was just no benefit to racing that much, but we all race, right? We all race to have an opinion on social media we all race to have an opinion on everything, even if we know nothing about it. Uh, and that bubbles up to the news industry um, and our discussions because the news is so overwhelmingly on Twitter because journalists use Twitter as a place to disseminate their work. The Twitter discussion is often considered news. And you'll, if you'll notice, sometimes when you're reading the news and you say, hey, there's this trend about some topic and then you click on the story and you realize what the trend is, is three tweets that the journalist found. You know, that's not a trend, right? We would never, when we were kids, we have never would have heard a journalist from uh, your, you know, the Daily News or the New York Times say, hey, we got two letters to the editor from a couple of the quacks in Queens, and this is a trend, right? Yeah. Like a friend, a friend of mine used to be a, a, an editor of a major newspaper and on Fridays, they had calls to the editor. And on Fridays, they'd like pick the craziest ones and have beers and listen to them and like joke around. Now, those craziest letters to the editors are like viral tweets and viral posts on Facebook that are going crazy. And it bubbles up because everybody's talking about it. And now it's mainstream news. Hey, this is something people believe, right? So it's definitely a troubling trend. Can I
3: I make another little point before we go? Because I I think it's very interesting. I'll I'll just share a screen here. You you, You know, be careful what you wish for. So I think on the one hand, the absence of Trump really didn't help other countries do that much better than America when it came to COVID. And it's pretty clear, I think, that if Trump had handled COVID, just didn't say crazy shit, he probably would have won re-election. hundred percent true. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, and then, so here's this, here's this graph of, of COVID from 20. So here's, I don't know if you can see anything. So here's right around the time that the election was November, right? Let's see. So, so, okay, Biden took over January. So you can see here, it's pretty bunched up. This is, uh, the, U- the U.S. was below England and very close to the European Union. This is per capita deaths. And of course, America, w- w- it, you can subtract from that the number that the New York Times attributed to Cuomo's mistakes as opposed to Trump's mistakes, whatever. So you don't have a real breakup. but here, since you, you, Biden- We should probably tell people
0: that you're looking at 2021, just so listeners know what we're- yeah, this Same. is 2021. Yeah. So I'm saying from the point
3: that Biden took over. So, so as you see Biden took over now, you see the U.S. go up, 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 and then now end up as the top country here, passing England, passing Italy. We're already past European. And of course, Biden is not getting the blame for this abysmal COVID performance, and, and nor do I think he should. I think that's our citizens, you know, are, are to a large extent, they're responsible for themselves and, and America is not like other countries and, and it is what it is, you know, but this idea that everything that happened when Trump was president was Trump's fault and nothing that happens when Biden is president vis-a-vis COVID is Biden's fault. It's so, it, it, it reeks of bias and I don't. I just never wanted to get on on board with that. Yes, Trump made mistakes, and maybe Biden's made some mistakes. But clearly, countries with the greatest leaders—some of them at certain times were neck and neck with us. We all we all watch it. It's just not clear that uh, that it would have been all that different if Biden had been president as opposed to Trump way back when. I don't think there's a there's a, there's a strong case for that. But thank goodness, in a sense, if I'm right, because then Trump lost. So. Maybe it all worked out. That's all my, that's my, that's my yeah, counter, yeah. Yeah. my kind my of point.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Some people like Deborah Burks have said that uh, our response probably costs a hundred thousand ish lives, but I will say that, you know, I'll take it. I will say that there was, there's more to it being a president. Like we were talking earlier about presidents don't control everything. Right. And there's more to being a president than just making the right decisions. There's also being a emotional leader at a time of crisis. Um, and, you know, I remember I was walking about a month later after you sent your email to your, or you sent your Facebook post about your kid's school now. And I was walking with my son and he was like, you know, we live with my mother-in-law, so she's in her eighties. So she was at high risk. And he was like, are we going to be okay? When will school start? All this kind of stuff, you know? And as a parent, you know, even if you don't know the answers 99% of the time, it's like, you just want to come up with a answer that calms your kids down and makes them feel better or whatever. But the truth is, is, that none of us had answers and I didn't have answers. I don't know, dude. I don't know if we're going to live at this point. I don't know uh, if grandma's going to be okay. I don't know if we're going to be able to see your other grandparents anytime soon. I don't know if you're going back to school anytime soon. And there was this moment where um, we were all sort of adolescents, like my son at that point where we needed some kind of guidance. And if we had had a president at that point, um, Say hey, let's put all this political bullshit aside, which I think all four of us can agree we should do, um, and come together against a common enemy, which is this virus, against America and humanity. Let's just lock arms, you know, virtually from six feet apart, and get in this together. Not only would he, it would have been a totally different experience during the pandemic. It also would have been. Um, he would have won re-election and we wouldn't be yelling at each other right now, even though we basically agree. Um, you know, this anger that, you know, I admit I feel too is part of this political discourse that's like every moment is an opportunity to divide us further, instead of every moment being an opportunity to say, hey man, we're all facing something a fuckload worse than a Trump voter with an American flag and a pickup truck, you know? And Part of the big problem, I will say, is also that, you know, there's a caricature by both sides that's been created of both sides. And I've never met a person in real life that I'm as angry at as the caricature of a Trump voter. But when I am actually I used to coach Little League with a local sheriff who I'm sure voted for Trump and was always packing heat. And I'm like, you know, what the other side would call a liberal snowflake. And it never even occurred to me that I wouldn't like him. We were like great friends because we cared about something more important, our kids winning the fucking baseball game, you know? So that's really the big loss, I feel, that it started in March and it continues right till this day. We had a crisis. We could have said, let's kick some ass, you know? My parents are both Holocaust survivors. When the Nazis stormed their village, all the Jews didn't look at each other and say, hey, you, uh, you're fighting the Nazis wrong and you're fighting the Nazis wrong. It's like, hey, man, let's try to protect each other. We have a common enemy that's a little bit big, bigger than our minor differences between each other. And we had that. We had that moment in 2020. And that's why it was such an important year. And we lost that opportunity to come together on an issue that would have undoubtedly saved some lives. How many lives? Is, is it 10 lives? Is it 100 lives? Is it uh, 10,000 lives? 100,000? Either whatever it is, it, it counts. You know, Mm -hmm. and we we should just be if there's a way for people to actually interact and be with each other, then most of this bullshit that angers everybody would go away. Because it's almost impossible to create a caricature of somebody, you know, right. Nobody can create a caricature of your neighbor that you're going to buy into because you see them every day. You're like, the guy seems pretty cool to me, man. So, you know, once you have people separated, like we're so separated and bifurcated as a society right now. We have almost no geographic interaction at all with people who see things differently than us. There is there is one other, I, I agree with everything you said. I, 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 I strongly agree with everything you said,
3: but I, I do want to make one last, just like little uh, nettlesome remark. It doesn't mean I don't agree with what you said, it just, you know, but the Sweden, which never locked down, right? Sweden, which was uh, taking a lot of flack. If you can recall from, I, I can share it again. Um, I, I, no, you I, don't have to share it. Everybody heard
0: Sweden getting flapped.
3: Yeah, but I hadn't, um, I hadn't checked in on this for a while. Oh, yeah. Look how, so Sweden took the Trump approach or what Trump, the Trump, what Trump wished would have been our approach. And it, it did work out for them, meaning that it, I have to be honest and say, well, you know, it's not as if a policy which didn't lock down, which depended on people to be responsible on their own is uh re- couldn't work or is ridiculous. Sweden had these flare-ups early here. They were they were ahead of a lot of countries. But look at it, look how far below they are the rest of the European Union now in France. Who would have thought? And added a much lower cost to their day-to-day yeah. lives. Yeah, right? exactly. Sweden is,
2: uh, is different geographically, like in many ways. They just more. Well, so, not...
3: so, you're, you're correct, Tatum, but so are parts
0: of this country that resisted the lockdowns. Right. But those parts have the highest cases here. I I agree with you that Sweden was criticized early on. Uh, They're a completely different society. Also, one of the reasons why Sweden didn't have to do the, uh, uh, you know, the government mandated lockdowns is because they made the lockdown suggestions and most people followed it. You know, it's like I went to Japan about 10 years ago and every person on the subway that was Japanese basically was wearing a mask, except, and here we were, American visitors, like, I wonder why all these people are wearing a mask, you know? They had the bird flu before, and they were said, hey, man, it's probably a good idea to keep yourself and others safe to wear a mask. Now, of course, they ended up having a terrible COVID crisis, as we saw during the Olympics, but cultures are completely different, you know? And and the point is, is that whatever we did right or wrong, screaming at each other and trying to get political gain out of it wasn't, wasn't the way to go and I think if we look at in terms of the media attacking a president I mean Biden it's true has not been attacked as much over COVID because at least he's saying the right things which is go get vaccinated and follow the rules that's why he's not getting attacked that much on that but he has been getting attacked like crazy look at Afghanistan it took his his approval ratings are lower than Trump's words a lot of the time and it a lot of it has to do with uh a lot of it has to do with the Afghanistan pullout. Now, every voter in America, or mo- a huge majority of Americans thought we should pull out. Uh, even a huge majority of vets thought that it was time to pull out. And everybody knows that if you pull out of a losing war effort, it's not going to be pretty or clean, right? So then we have oh, that. S- I don't know. If there was much of a constituency that wanted him to pull out in that way no no no. i'm not saying that he did a perfect job but there would be nobody in the military who would suggest to you that you'd be able to pull out and it would go well in terms of no casualties so then you had the um did we leave too many people behind there that helped us absolutely deserves the criticism we left americans that. behind we left americans behind right well we we got a ton of people out but you're right we did leave too many people behind especially both Americans, but also the Afghans that risked their lives to help us also should have been treated better. But, um, you know, there was, I, I noticed like when the suicide bombing happened. Right. And a lot of people got killed. Nobody went back and talked about the thousands of American servicemen and women who had been killed for the 20 years before that. Right. And in fact, Afghanistan really wasn't even covered that much by the media so the, the pullout was sort of covered in a vacuum in a way and believe me in my newsletter you can go back and read it I, I criticized the pullout as much as anybody um it didn't make any sense right the the um yeah,
3: but the media the media as as a as an independent thinker I find the media to be corrupt
0: the the, the, the I, I think I think it's just not safe to call them Uh, to treat them as a monolith any more than any other political party. You know what I mean? mean, Just like just like people who didn't get the vaccine. It's not productive to pretend they're all the same. No, what what, what I
3: mean by that is, I mean, Fox News, MSNBC, we we know that they are they live in the world of either uh, wearing their bias on their sleeve or actual dishonesty. Um, I think Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson has a lot of deaths uh, on his hand as far as I'm concerned, maybe even more Um, I wonder, this is just to digress. I wonder if we'd have this anti vax movement if not for Tucker Carlson. But I could be wrong about that. But no, my- I think it's a huge
0: factor. Yeah.
3: But, you know, just in that little, if you zoom in, I, I, so, that, so a politician says the right thing, they say emotionally soothing things like Biden does or like Cuomo did. And, you know, we as citizens, we're moved by that. But the media is not supposed to be moved by that. And it's just the way they, you know, went for Cuomo, despite plain evidence that he was making tremendous mistakes simply because he had a very nice bedside manner, and they couldn't bear to have another villain take up any of the oxygen when they had was all on Trump. It's like, well, this—I
0: mean, well, they these, changed look, their mind—that's for sure on him. Well,
3: they—they they, they changed their mind way, way, way after when Trump was gone, and not, and there was a sexual harassment thing, and you know, yeah. it, but I mean, it's just. It's just disappointing I mean they, they just look look, it's disappointing
0: that CNN, which purports to be uh, you know a mainstream news site is also having one guy's brother interview him while he's the governor. It's insane. Yeah. obviously. Any old school journalist would be like, this is absurd. as soon as as soon as Cuomo as soon as they found out that uh, broadcaster Cuomo had given media tips, to politician Cuomo, it's totally insane that he wasn't immediately fired. We live in a, in a universe right now where you get fired for accidentally jerking off on a Zoom, like Jeffrey Toobin did, as if the public humiliation wasn't enough, you know? <laughs> Every fucking Jewish mother in the world knows the guy was whacking off the porn on Zoom. As if that's not enough, he also gets fired, even though the people on the Zoom call said, hey, it was a stupid mistake, but it was a mistake. And yet, uh, Chris Cuomo still has his job on CNN when he uh-huh. uh, advised his brother on media strategies during his scandal. I mean, it's of course that stuff's totally crazy. But again, it's not monolithic. Plenty of other people have been writing that in the media yeah. not and covering but, that stuff. Right?
3: I felt I felt bad. I I don't you know the Cuomo thing is. I felt bad because it's not realistic to expect the guy not to help his brother. On the other hand, he shouldn't have gone to the meeting, but I think the real damage there is that the other people on CNN didn't want to get on the wrong, you know, people have personal relationship with Chris Cuomo and you, and you know, you don't, you don't want to be out there chasing uh, Andrew Cuomo and exposing him, when you have to see Chris Cuomo in the cafeteria, as it were. So it's an untenable situation to have, the the um the governor's brother on the team, even if he didn't interview him.
1: Yeah, but what's right is, it
3: makes it impossible for the other people to really go after him. Yeah, and their job is what? to go after him.
1: That's their yeah, job. So,
2: so Nederman, um, I'll give you the mic because we've been talking a lot.
1: Um, well, I just want to say that once again, Noam uh, managed to bring back, come back, uh, from the brink of <laughs> pushing somebody off the show, it, it seemed. To me.
0: I don't know how, how close Dave was to nope, saying "fuck it, I'm out of here." Definitely not.
3: I'm, I'm I mean, married. I'm used to this. I'm, I will, I, I I will say, it.
0: I will say that Dan is by far my favorite host on this fucking show. Though. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the better better to remain silent
1: and be thought. Ignorant than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a lot of sense of humor, like kind of like a
2: a comedian uh, in a way, is is that like something that you... uh, you thought about it? have you ever like wrote comedy or i know you've always been a journalist but you know yeah no
0: I, yeah i'm definitely not a journalist uh because i i just i sort of i cover the news and share the news i'm sort of like the lead news consumer your has
2: said you're a journalist yeah. so <laughs>
0: yeah no i know i know and a lot of people do write that about me but it's always i always tell my wife that's like a pet peeve because i i don't actually work for any news organization i'm a soul i'm an indie person so I don't give a fuck what Chris Cuomo thinks or any other editor in the world really yeah uh you know I just write what I want to write and I send it out and if my mom's not pissed I'm good um but yeah I've I mean next draft the thing I write every day really does have a ton of humor so I you know when I make public appearances or whatever I try to be funny that's definitely the brand but the area where I really worked on it the most um is in my writing it took me a while to be able to remove all the writing ish stuff from it and be able to just have my natural voice come through in writing, you know, that was my 10,000 hours or whatever. Um, so that's really one of the main reasons, uh, even though it may not come over as well in in this discussion that I, I felt like I'm the guy to write the book because look, there's no doubt that, uh, during the efforts to overturn the election at January 6th, these were serious moments very serious moments in American history, and there was and is a slide towards authoritarianism that is very real. Uh, We can debate about individual words here and there about hoax versus non-hoax and eject versus non a joke, but there is a, a organized effort to devalue elections. There was a very organized effort to overturn a democratic election, and I feel it's important for people to understand that, not from just from my view, but Um, Both of my parents, like I said, were Holocaust survivors, and they were saying this to me for three years leading up to 2020. I don't know why people, my dad, who's far from a liberal, um, he passed away, but he was far from a liberal and he survived because of violence and blew up trains and killed Nazis and is not a snowflake. But he was telling me for years, I don't understand why people are on the streets, man. These this type of speeches that Trump is giving sound just like Hitler when I was a kid and everybody laughed up, laughed it up back then and said, this guy's a clown. So because of those warnings that I was getting from my parents who are part of a disappearing generation of people who have sort of seen the worst case of authoritarianism and fascism rise up, I wanted to get that message across. But there's 20 books that could get that message across just as well as I could for sure. The difference is I wanted to try to get it across with uh, some of their humor and some of my humor so that there's plenty of sugar to help the medicine go down. I don't wanna to torture you with a book that's just like everything is hell and we're all lost forever. Yeah. I wanna say, here's what's really important and we need to focus on it, but hey, here's this other funny thing that happened and it's okay to make light of something when you're having a pandemic, You know what else are you gonna do? You know, Humor is a medicine of sorts. So that's really where the humor comes into it uh, for me, is trying to use the humor to make important messages more palpable. And there's there's much bigger messages than just, hey, Trump is a dick, for sure. There's plenty of messages about how the media helped get us in this mess, um, how uh, the enablers of the January 6th attack put us in extreme danger, um, how many people predicted Trump wouldn't willingly leave the White House until the last minute, including my own dad. And this is when the election wasn't even really getting going. So I just think it's important, especially now when we're running out of people who've seen it with their own eyes. You know, My dad was 98 when he passed away. So I wanna get that message across. If there's nothing else I can do with this book, then say, get people who ordinarily wouldn't think about this issue to say, hey, this is pretty serious shit and it can happen here. You know, it can happen here. I'm not talking about the Holocaust, but I'm talking about democracy being chipped away at, uh, to the point where it's untenable. And, you know, one of the last things my dad said to me, he said, why isn't everybody out in the streets about this election shit? And I said, I think people here just don't believe it can happen here. What happened to you? And he stopped in his tracks and said, dude, you think when I was a kid, we thought it could happen there. Nobody ever considered any of this thing when I was a kid. It came out of nowhere, you know? So that's sort of a message for me. It can happen here, but delivered in a way that's not hysterical and not without levity.
2: Dan, you want to say
0: something? Uh, well, I wanted to say that
1: uh, Norman Lear himself, speaking of 98-year-old Jews or somewhere in that vicinity, yeah, <laughs> called uh Dave's book. Uh, he said I can't recall a more engaging read. So uh I don't know how you got Norman Lear by the way to to blurb your book, but nicely done.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was that's definitely a bucket list item. Uh he's a friend of a friend uh and I once gave a toast at a birthday party and he was there and he was telling me uh oh you're incredibly funny, dude. Uh and it, he was just about to do the remake of um One Day at a Time, the Latino version that was on Netflix for a couple Oh yeah, of we days. know
1: uh, the showrunner is Mike that was Mike Royce. No. Oh, awesome. Uh, uh,
3: gentlemen, I, I don't mean to be rude. I have to go because my kids are want to go trick or treating. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Like so there is 99. Right? Yeah. We we we're going to end in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going on. A, but anyway, yes,
0: I'm very grateful and lucky to have met Norman Lear to have him blurred my book. is definitely a dream come true. He's my hero. So, so Dave, thank you for you sharing
2: your information where people can find you or can they get the book and, and sure. all
0: that. Sure. They can find my newsletter, nextdraft.com. And gnome uh, subscribe. You're going to realize we agree on most things. I will. And, uh, and uh, my book is called Please Scream Inside Your Heart. And it's available in any bookstore, but if you want to have an easy set of links to uh, buy the book, just go to pleasescream.com. And if you're into audiobooks, Peter Coyote actually uh, does the narration of about half the book. It's broken up into sections. So it's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome, too. That that and the Norman Lear thing were the big thrills for me in this whole process.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much. Dan, you want to share information? and.
1: Well, my information is at Dan Natterman for on, on on all social media platforms. I also have a book. Yes. Iris Bureau before COVID. It's a novel, and COVID factors in uh, at the end of it. But in any case, it's available on Amazon and uh, BarnesandNoble.com.
2: All right. Well, awesome. gentlemen, thank you so much, Dave. If you come to New York, come visit us. Love to have you have a conversation. And uh yeah, not wait awesome. to read the book. That'd be awesome. Thank you guys very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. See ya.